Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 70. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. In part two of our 30 Days to Grow special interview series, personal trainer and health coach Aaron Carroll joins us to discuss how maintaining a healthy lifestyle and a work-life balance plays a crucial part in finding happiness. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salons, business, and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. How are you? I'm good now. So week two, or uh, we're pretty much into the second week of 30 Days to Grow now. Um, last week's episode was about the visual merchandising. So it was good to see everyone putting their photos in. I think one woman was saying that it was only half an hour of work to put her whole stand together. It was something she'd never really done before. And it was one of her highest grossing days in the end, just from designing or creating a stand with a few products like Oh, that. And also like people have been uh, have been posting in the group and saying that, uh, you know, the sales have been going on uh, already like 15 minutes in or they're running Facebook uh, competitions and they're getting the most shares they've ever gotten before. Like it's it's really, really good. A lot of engagement. Rowena actually even jumped into that Facebook group and uh, gave a few tips, a few additional tips uh, on her own account. So, uh, yeah, that was really good. And it's been a lot of energy coming out of it this week. So with it being the first week, um, <laughs> there's already people who are going full into this with their team. So we kind of thought to ourselves, well, this week on the Forest FM, why not kind of talk about having that healthy lifestyle and that work balance? And we thought, well, there's no better man to talk about it than Aaron Carroll of Aaron Carroll Health. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you getting on? Oh, it's terrible. It's after Easter now, so I'm just trying to shake off these Easter eggs, you know? <laughs> Doing burpees in my bedroom. <laughs> this is our fitness instructor, Tom does this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kinder yeah. is the best. There's the best. <laughs> Everything in moderation, sure. It's not right. <laughs> That's what it's about. Uh, balance. Yeah, balance. Now, Aaron, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself, of course, but for anyone that was at the Salon Owner Summit, Aaron Carroll was actually supposed to be holding a workshop about this, about the healthy lifestyles and finding work-life balance. Um, unfortunately, you were actually stuck in Cancun for a couple of days, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of a long story, but uh, I suppose on the way back from Cancun, one of the girls at the airport decided not to print a lot of the boarding passes from Philadelphia to Ireland. So it wasn't just me and my wife. It was also another bunch of kids, another family. You know, there's a bunch of children in minus 10 degrees in Philadelphia wearing shorts and, uh, and T-shirts because for two days because of, uh, because of one girl's decision not to print people's boarding passes. But um, yeah, it was quite an eventful day because I was trying to, I was panicking, I was screaming at people about, I have to be at this <laughs> going on in Dublin. They're like, we don't care, sir. I apologize for the inconvenience, but there's nothing we can do. <laughs> so it was a bit of an eventful, uh, eventful 48 hours of my life. But nonetheless, here I am and it's led me to, Forest FM and still getting to talk about health, so that's a good thing. Yeah, that's mental. I thought it was actually weather reasons that you couldn't fly over. I didn't realize someone just didn't print your passes. <laughs> well, it was it was funny because I think it was faith. It was a bunch of things because it was kind of close to when I was arriving back in Ireland. Uh, we had um, obviously, you know, whenever I do something like that or I'm public talk, and I I like to prepare beforehand and I did a lot of prep for this so I was practicing the whole way over on the plane as well and sending the slideshows and everything over for the presentations and it was just funny because there was a delay of two hours coming out of Cancun and then when it finally took off because of the weather in Philadelphia it was circling for an hour and a half and then the plane landed and the whole time me and my wife were like get out of our way <laughs> like and then there was an hour delay for the luggage coming from the plane 
to our connection. And then when we got to the point where we had to get on the plane, they said, sorry, sir, we can't let you in. You haven't got a boarding pass along with these other 15 other people. So, uh, and there was no other flights out of Philadelphia for like two and a half days. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, my, my, I think the owner of the gym that I'm general manager of wasn't too happy either. <laughs> but that's life. We're here. We're here. We made it. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, so the moral of the story is you kept a level head, you kept calm, you didn't blow a lid or anything, because that's what this episode is about, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, I wasn't screaming at uh, the, the hostess coming to No, no, I did. I kept it calm. What will be, will be. That's kind of the way you have to approach some things, because sometimes when you're stressing out, um, most of the stress comes, like, sometimes if the if the if the end result is inevitable and you're just causing that stress for yourself, the only person you're going to work up is yourself. So sometimes you just got to take a deep breath and kind of realize, um, if you can't change the outcome, what are you, what are you stressing for? Um, obviously I was concerned cause it was obviously having an implication on other people and I was going to get a chance to help a lot of other people, but no matter how I, how crazy I would have gone in that type of circumstance, there's no help in it. And people would have probably thought, who's your man screaming on the plane? This is, uh, <laughs> it's not a good place to lose your cool really, is it? <laughs> so, uh, no, but it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, because you're just going to wind everyone up. But um, like that, that little story there just kind of like ties perfectly into it, what this episode is about. But Aaron, I know we kind of just jumped into it there, but for anyone that mightn't have heard of you, do you want to give a bit of a background about yourself there? Yeah, I suppose um, for myself, the way I link into even though I predominantly work within a health sector um it ties straight over to the kind of the beauty the beauty aspect of life as well and a lot of it comes from um, recreation what do people do when they're looking after themselves where do they go Um, how do they treat themselves it all ties in together in one context but also in another context my wife and I before we met she was the manager of a spa and um we bought over that spa and we're both technically the spa owners there as well so I have that side of developing a spa business too and I have a very stressed wife from time to time that has to deal with the pressures <laughs> of um of a day-to-day activity and things like for example um you know, system software is going down, client complaints, everything filters in one way or another through me too. So I'm an output source for that also. So I totally understand. And my whole family, um, my grandmother was one of the first people in Ireland, if not Europe, I suppose, back in her time to open a um, beauty training college here in Ireland. And she had several across the country. And both my aunties own that now. And my dad actually works in there teaching <clears throat> My dad, William Galligan, works there as well, teaching um, hairdressing. So it's kind of, there's, there's a big engraved beauty and spa side to me that people don't really know about, but um, it is a massive part of my life. Yeah, so it, it's not like you've just kind of, I suppose, floated in and out of this right? your life. You're, this is ingrained in, in you, basically. Of course, like if you asked me to do gel nails on someone, I probably could give it a good go, but I wouldn't feel confident. <laughs> but I'd be a lot better at um, telling people how to try and balance stuff around that type of lifestyle, I reckon, than, um, than um, yeah, any of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, because um, I just got like, when we first decided about getting you on the show, we got your slide deck that, that you were supposed to do for the workshops. And the first slide I saw was, contraindications in a spa workplace and I was looking at it going yeah this guy this guy's got some industry knowledge going on here so I, I suppose to, to kick off the show um, with our first questions what to you are the biggest contraindications in a salon workplace well 
when it comes to health, like one thing I always recommend to people is to remember that unless people are balancing their lifestyle outside that workplace in particular, it's going to have huge contraindications on to what you're doing on a daily basis, how you function, how you approach people, like things tend to have a ripple effect. And when you're working in the service industry, obviously there's a bit of retail in there too, but when you're working within such a close-knit, people-based industry, you don't only have your own stresses on a daily basis, you you also have to be an open ear. You listen to what other people are going through and as well as having to try and run your own business, you might be also working as a therapist. You might be doing working as a receptionist. You might be doing all these things on a daily basis where you're, you're multitasking, you're putting all this added pressure on yourself. Um, so for me, obviously there's the physical contraindications, which are things like, you know, um, heavy physical workload, um, sitting down for prolonged periods of time, um, those things. But the most important thing is yourself and your own health and well-being. And that generally comes from stress. So that is one of the main things that I suppose we, we will touch on today when we're talking about um, managing a healthy life balance, uh, work-life balance. Yeah, well, like one of the most obvious problems, I think, is kind of movement. Like you're always on your feet all day when you're in a spa, when you're running a salon, or even just as a therapist, as a receptionist. We've both, uh, Killian and I, did work placements in a salon. And uh, I think that was one of the main takeaways for me. It was like, Jesus, this is exhausting just because I'm standing up all day and I'm not even doing any treatments or services with any clients uh, from a personal trainer point of view. How does this affect your body? Well, one of the main things is, it has its positives and its negatives. I suppose one of the main positives is that there's added energy expenditure. Um, but when it comes to negatives and solving those negatives would be would be the downward compression on your lower back. And also a lot of the time, even though you are standing, it's tends to be more in a hunched position. So say if you're doing bookings, um, you're at a laptop. Even though you might be standing, you're at a laptop. If you're doing a massage, you're hunched over, tension in the front of your shoulders. Like, did you ever see in the doctor's office, for example, you might see that poster of a woman and say she's in her 20s, she's standing nice and tall, then she's 25, and then she's starting to hunch over, then she's 45, then she's hunched over, and then she's 80, and she's almost like, put me in the coffin already. That way, <laughs> one thing one thing you can be focused on when, when you're doing a job like that where you're standing all day and you're constantly working in the front plane of your body so that i just mean pretty much from your chest your the front of your shoulders there, there's constant tension in those so one thing you can do to help i suppose rectify that or balance that out is if you're to do simple exercises for the back of your shoulders my dad used to jab his two index fingers between the back of my shoulder blades and i was like whoa <laughs> up nice and tall you know uh, i don't so much recommend that <laughs> that seems a little extreme i <laughs> know <laughs> it wasn't in a violent way it was just ah, stand up there tall by will you it's more kind of like you know <laughs> Don't be slouching. Um, but one of the most important things is um, working on stretching the front of your shoulders um, and creating stronger posterior shoulders. So everything at the back, because you're doing that stuff at home on the way to work. You're on the laptop at home. You're on the couch. You're driving to work. You're texting on your phone. It's all being pulled forward into that frontal plane. But if you can work on just stretching the front of the shoulders and releasing that tension and then engaging the, your posterior, like your scapula and the back of your shoulders, your posterior deltoids, then that'll help you stand taller and help correct some of those issues that'll probably end up hurting your back in the future. So what I always say is if you are 
putting any exercise regime into play, always try and do two to one posterior to anterior. So if you're doing any push movements, always do double the amount of pull movements. That's one of the number one tips I suppose I can give when it comes to rectifying any of those issues obviously core strength is really important too so if you get into the routine of doing maybe a plank if you google plants planks or youtube planks or type in aaron carl um planks on youtube i'm sure something will pop up there and me showing you how to stabilize your core more but it's really strong that you treat your core so the your midsection very like delicately and that it should be the strongest part of your body it should be like your tree trunk so it supports you. Whereas your upper shoulders and your back, they need to be as mobile as possible. And if you're hunching over, you're actually pulling apart the lumbar column of your spine um, delicately. But nonetheless, if it's every single day for eight to 14 hours and you're in the hunch position, you're going to pull your lower core apart and you're actually going to put tension in the front of your shoulders. Whereas what you want is as much stability in your lower back as possible and you want to be strong. And then you want your upper back, your shoulders to be as loosey-goosey as possible. Um, And that'll help with that, being on your feet all day, being in that slight hunched over position. If you can implement one or two things like that on a day-to-day basis, even three times a week, because if you think about it, you could be doing that 12 to 14 hours a day so even just by implementing 30 seconds four times a day you're you're that'll help reverse that poster you see in the doctors of the person making their way down to the ground (laughs) it's a fun way of putting it i suppose out of curiosity is it better to be seated or standing this is the thing is what i would say is they both have their pros and their cons because if you're seated it even further is like if you're doing nails, for example, you're in a seated position um, and you could have, that's why I was saying in a spa, it can be, you could be mixed because you're, you could be sitting down doing nails all day or doing a facial and then you could be up on your feet and you could be running around from treatment room to treatment room or doing bookings at the reception. So it, but it's definitely, it's definitely better to be standing in my opinion, not just because not, but you need to be moving. That's the important thing. If you're standing still in one position all day, you have that constant pressure downwards on your spinal column. But if you're moving around, it's a lot better. So I recommend taking maybe one or two quick walks, or if you're on your break, don't go somewhere to sit down. If you're going to be standing in a one spot or, or sitting down when you come back and doing a lot of nail treatments, I would rather recommend um, going for a walk, uh, grab a coffee, but walk somewhere, see something, get some fresh air for yourself. Be on your phone, text on your phone, uh, email, whatever you want to do on your break, but don't do it in a position where you're already stuck in for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, that's really important. It's just general movement. The human body is made to move. So if you're static for too long in one position or standing still or sitting down, it's going to have its negative, negative effects on your body. Although to be honest, sitting down is literally, if you're sitting down at an office for eight to nine hours, it's much worse than being in a standing position, in my opinion, and running around on your feet all day It'd be because of energy expenditure. You get that like dead wife feeling as well, where it just pulls your whole body down that, that you were just saying earlier. And everyone knows that feeling when you're kind of like standing in a queue or even at a shop after a couple of minutes of not moving, you just get this dead wife feeling. Exactly. Like when I was, well, I remember because I actually got, I got a, a sciatica when I was 17 years old. And that was because I was obsessed with, oh, I got to get a six pack. And I thought by me sprinting home and doing a thousand crunches every day after school, I would get some type of aperture going on. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And I ended up injuring my back. And now the sciatica comes around every so often. And I've put in a lot of preventative measures 
to be able to prevent that. But one of the things I notice is when I, when I, cause I own my own business, like Aaron Carroll health, and I was predominantly just working with that in personal training where I was standing in on my feet all day. But as soon as I started going into back into a general manager role of a gym, the first three months would be total agony for me. My sciatica would come back with a, with an absolute vengeance. And the reason that I could see that happening was because I was sitting in that hunched over position. My shoulders were being pulled forward. My upper back, was being pulled up and it was stretching out that lumbar column, the lower back, and is exposing my nerves there. Whereas your lower column should be strong and stable and you should be able to hold that and your upper back should be free. So from going from a general manager role to my own business, also doing on-floor personal training and then going back into general manager role, I was almost crippled with pain the first two or three months of going back into almost an office or seated based position. So I would definitely, even from seeing it from my own personal experience and clients upon clients over the years that, because everything's going very IT these days, everything's going very office based. So I can see a trend when it comes, but like even with my wife, for example, she, you know, she suffers from some slight tendonitis as well. So she finds that when this acts up, being on your feet and doing all these movements can become more of an issue, especially doing massages and stuff like that. But in general, I would definitely say from seeing when she moves or when she's seated and also from my own personal experience, um, being on your feet and moving, that's the most important movement, movement, movement. I can't, can't recommend moving your body enough. <laughs> How do you get to the point where you can actually motivate yourself to do that though? Because a lot of times, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm so tired. All I want to do is go sit down by the TV, watch a show, uh, have, you know, a, a downtime. How do you actually get into that routine of moving afterwards? The routine of, routine of moving? Well, the thing is, it, I always say do what makes you happy first and foremost. Like a lot of this stuff spawns for mental health. If someone goes to me, Aaron, look, I can't stand the gym. Like I've had people come in and like a crucial part of, my business and in industry I work in is selling, selling gym memberships. And I've had people come to me and say, to be honest, I absolutely despise the gym. I don't want to be in here. I don't like the place. I don't like the people that go there. And I will literally say, okay, well then don't join. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and okay, that doesn't probably look good from a business point of view, but if something you're doing doesn't make you happy, um, there's other things you can do. You can go for that walk. You can do a few quick workouts at home if needs be. It just depends on how relative it is to you and your circumstances. For example, when you're, like you said there, you just want to go home and maybe turn on a Netflix series. I do that every single day. It's the only kind of escapism I have. I do train and I do love training. And I, of course, I recommend training. It's so important to get some base movement into your lifestyle, but it's about establishing a new routine for yourself. But for some people, switching off and watching a Netflix movie or or going to the cinema is almost more important because if your headspace isn't in the right place and you don't give yourself that downtime, going to, into the gym floor and being like, oh, I hate this place. What am I doing here? It's not actually giving back to yourself. You have to kind of collect, connect all the pieces. What I would do is, is set, set yourself a goal and say, I'm just going to start small. Start a small activity, maybe train 20 minutes a day or do some walk, even if it's, but make sure it's something you enjoy doing or it's with somebody you enjoy or the trainer you go to is somebody that you like, you know, or it gives you a space. Like for me, when I had 20 minutes free, I, my wife's Brazilian, I tried to learn Portuguese and it was this constant battle pretty much to find out what she's saying about me sometimes. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I'm still learning. But, but what I found is 
if you give yourself something, whether it is that movie or it's moving, um, you got to remember that the body is made to move too. So I'm not saying give up one thing for the other. I'm just maybe saying walk 20 minutes to work or the subway instead of getting a taxi or, you know, find something that you can work into your daily routine that will just give you that little bit of movement. And we're, we're creatures of nature. If you go to work and it's 30 minutes away from where you used to work before, but they're paying you an extra two euro or $2 an hour, then you'll probably go, you know, it's worth my while over in the long, in the long side of things. It's the exact same with your body. You got to go, okay, if I invest 20 minutes a day, it's only 20 minutes of my time into it. It doesn't take away from whatever it is else you enjoy, but it will complement the rest of your life better. And it's about creating value. Think about what you're going to gain from it. You know, um, everything has to hold a certain level of value and you only get one chance to work your body and to move properly. And if you don't totally take advantage of that, like, you know, I know everyone says these days, you know, it's, it's not good to kind of deteriorate over time and get older and older, but these days you can live a very healthy life moving around and just jumping and crawling and enjoying the same things you do when you're in your 20s and 30s you can enjoy now when you're in your 40s 50s 60s in some cases 70s it's just about giving your body that little bit of respect and saying this is important and it needs to be important to me and once you do that and just start off with 20 minutes you might even find you enjoy it and then it's just about building that routine over time we're all creatures of habit so it's just applying it yeah because like one of the things you do here is when people to go into gym is that intimidation it's oh, i haven't ran in months or i can't lift heavy weights like everyone else there there's that intimidation factor but everyone has to start from somewhere and if you really can't find an hour to go to a gym maybe start off with stretches and stuff like those it's building up that habit and eventually you're getting better and better and better without even realizing but yeah start small that that's the key here yeah and as well as well you're dead right you knocked the nail on the head one of the big things that is a challenge for people going into gyms or going to that type of situation is that sense of maybe I'm not good enough or what will they think those people will be looking at me and and that's something you got to remember as well as when you go into the gym floor everyone's too busy looking at themselves to even care about what's going on around them you know like I, I always say that when you go in there when I've had clients in the past and they've had an issue of getting in there and becoming active because of what other people might think when you have someone else there with you first of all it gives you a little bit more empowerment you know someone's there to guide you you have that sense of protection so what I would do is I would grab a really heavy weight in the middle of the day say 6pm and I'd slam it on the gym floor as loud as I could and uh, no one would even turn their head and that's goes back to <laughs> everyone's too busy looking at themselves to even care what you're doing with yourself so take this time for you and make it work for you because a lot of people especially people that own their own businesses they don't give themselves anything back they're constantly frustrated and stressed out thinking about the people uh, the, the people that work for them their their rent their mortgage their, their other half their partner it's output 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 but they're not creating any input and unless you give yourself something back all the output is going to be wishy-washy and that will reflect in your business it's like a ripple effect if someone comes to you or one of your staff and you're not in a good mood and you're not feeling great about yourself how is that going to look when the staff meets a customer or a client or they even how they answer the phone creating that positive energy and giving yourself something back especially if you're in a place of ownership or management if you're not giving yourself that thing back to look after that hour a day that half an hour a day for you nothing else will look after itself properly and your staff won't see that you're happy 
they won't be happy when a client calls. You know, it's almost like by looking after yourself and saying, look, this is my hour for me. This is my 30 minutes for me. That creates that ripple effect where all of a sudden you're standing taller. You're in a room with people and that person that never spoke to you before approaches you and they're like, oh, hey, I've seen you here a few times. You know, it does create investing in yourself for a half an hour or an hour a day is probably one of the most important investments. It's not selfish. Don't look at it as being selfish. It helps other people and it'll also help your business in turn because creating that energy does ripple out amongst other things. I love what you're saying there about uh, the whole input output thing, because another big challenge in the salon and it kind of relates to input. So you're doing all this walking around on your feet all day, walking the hunched shoulders, that's your output. But the input is the the struggle of eating nutritionally when you barely even get a break. Oh yeah, I know. I know that feeling. (laughs) I, well, this is another thing as well as that people, this is huge, 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 huge. And it's, it's something that's so simple these days. Like I think about when I was say 10, 12 years ago when I was 16 or 17 and I was kind of like, I really had nowhere to go. I, I actually, the resources we had, and I know it's not that long ago and some people might listen to this and be like, okay, it was just the nineties. But the resources that we have now, even compared to four years ago are so insanely developed that you can go into any single restaurant, cafe, and you can actually, if you understand your metabolism, and this is something just related to nutrition people focus so much on nutrition what's healthy what's not healthy um what's going to what's boring doesn't taste good first and foremost you have to understand your energy balance your metabolism because ever see that person and they're like stuffing their face with mcdonald's and you're like oh my god how can she eat that like you know and be so skinny you know it's it's we it's it's more that relates a lot of people feel that way but that person probably it just isn't going over their daily calorie allowance. And the most important thing is just that. And the problem is a lot of people have a higher appetite. Other people crave foods more. And this whole addictive food thing, look, food makes me feel good. You know, like if, when I eat a sugary food, I feel good. Is it physically addictive? Like, is it addictive the way heroin or cocaine is where you'll actually get sick and possibly die if you, if, because you're so, you're so physically addicted? No, it's not. People enjoy it and it's got ad- addictive qualities, but no one is actually, um, you know, like you said, in a, in a quick circumstance, what do I grab? You'll tend to go to the thing that's sugary and that'll make you feel, you know, you're hooked on most. But at the end of the day, it's totally calorie expenditure versus calorie intake. When it, when it comes to your body and how it looks, you know, like I did a challenge on my YouTube channel and I ate McDonald's for a month um, every day. Now, I didn't just eat McDonald's. I balanced my lifestyle. So I was eating some healthy food every day and I was eating some unhealthy food every day. But I tracked the McDonald's I had, which is actually probably the easiest food to track in the world because everybody everywhere tends to have one near them. Um, And I don't agree. I don't say it made me feel good because it didn't because it was pretty crappy food. And about two days into it, I I never wanted to step foot in a McDonald's again. (laughs) But nonetheless, I did it and I lost weight. Uh, No, my training suffered a bit. You lost weight? It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, I got lots of weight. Like that's what I'm saying is it's the overall intake of your calories versus output. My the reason I did that was like you see this thing before where like there's been documentaries before where guys eat um, just McDonald's every day 
to see how it affects their body. But what they're doing is they're just eating McDonald's. And in reality, on a day-to-day basis, my, my idea was to prove that you can eat something bad in moderation every day, as long as you don't overdo it. Um, and you can still hit your goals. And you have to understand your metabolic rate, your metabolism. Because at the end of the day, if, you're, if you have a car, and your car is a 1.2 liter car, and you're pumping enough petrol in that car to, for a 2.6 liter engine, it's going to spill over. And that's how we get fatter because we're putting too much energy into our bodies. We're not even realizing it and we're not driving around enough to burn it off. But if you understand, okay, I'm actually only a 1.4 liter engine here. Like how much can I afford? It's like almost like a currency. It's, you know, you got to, of course, you need to eat whole foods. You need to eat some vegetables every day. You need to eat foods that obviously are going to make you healthier per se and have vitamins and minerals. I'm not saying neglect that food. What I'm saying, if you're working in a salon, for example, or you own your salon and you've got meeting after meeting after client after client and you have to go to the shop across the road or the cafe or whatever it is the coffee shop that only sell paninis and you're like oh there's nothing healthy here i saw it i might as well just get this louisiana chicken salad pasta which is like a thousand calories you know but if you go okay well, i'm actually allowed to have 1500 calories a day and i didn't i only had eggs for breakfast and that's like 100 200 calories then instead of blowing the rest of your whole daily calorie allowance on some big massive pasta salad because you're like there's nothing healthy here if you go i'm just gonna have that cheese sandwich that cheese toasty and know that it's 400 500 calories you still got a good 600 700 calories left you don't feel guilty and you'll still lose weight the next day as opposed to this mentality of this food is good that food is bad that's the issue is building positive and negative relationships with food makes people give up and it doesn't empower anybody so nobody actually has the right idea or understanding of their body and that's why these fads never really work there's a fad on this there's a fad on it oh did you hear about this diet she did she lost 80 kilos yes but she put 90 on two months later why is that it's because you're implementing a caloric deficit so you're on eating less calories you're losing loads of weight but you don't understand why uh, but if you can just like download i'm going to recommend an app here that i use every day and all my clients use and it's absolutely free i don't understand how i don't understand why but it is um but it's called my fitness pal and a lot of people in the health industry if i was to say that you know my fitness pal everyone would be like oh i've been using that for years but the people that own their own businesses and that are on their feet all day, if you can understand that my limitation is 2000 calories or generally what I would say is like, like on the back of food, it would say the female's limit is 2000 males is 2500. It's absolutely yes, because what I find is overtraining people for years and years and tracking their food closely. The, the people that are selling you more food will always tell you eat more food. And they're the people that have it on the back of their can of Coca-Cola or their sandwich or their salad for that matter. The most important thing is that you get into the habit of tracking your food. And what this app, MyFitnessPal, does is basically you put in your weight, your height, your age, your gender. It'll give you a general caloric guideline on what you should stick to. But, you know, you have to play with that over time because it's just a guesstimate. It's more by tracking your food and saying, setting yourself a limit of, okay, I'm going to, for females, I would recommend around 1,300 to 1,500 calories a day. If you can stick to that and, and track your weight 
you'll tell straight away, am I losing weight? Am I gaining? Okay, well, then I got to tone it down 100 calories. doesn't mean you give up food and enjoying drinks with your friends or it's your, your uncle's 50th next week and I can't go to it because I'm, you know, on this diet. And then you crash in three weeks time. It's just being aware. It's, it's you're empowering yourself by giving yourself awareness. And things like Slimming World and Weight Watchers would all say, um, will all say, oh, don't you just hate calorie counting? Of course they're going to say that because they're trying to sell you their product where they're calorie counting for you and taking the empowerment away from you. But if you understand food, if I go into the cafe across the road, say if it's any cafe, and I type in ham and cheese panini, it's going to give me exactly how many calories, proteins, fats, and carbs that are in that. And if my goal is just to not get overweight, like just being not overweight in general will make you 10 times healthier than constantly crashing and going up and down you know that's one thing when it comes to nutrition people don't understand try and abolish my my number one tip when it comes to nutrition is try to abolish negative and positive relationships with food stop thinking of that food being bad for you or that food being good for you just think about going over the top with anything it's so funny because i did so many nutrition courses and paid thousands and thousands of euros over the years for things at the end of the day it all comes back to like your mother used to say everything in moderation and now it's like oh my god she was right it actually is everything in moderation but the most important thing is understanding your own moderation and that is the issue is people don't and everybody's genetically different so you can't say generally women need to have 2000 calories and men have 2500 because if i stick to 2500 calories i'm up every day and I train sometimes twice a day but I know for a fact I'll get really overweight if I stick to that the guidelines what you got to do is just start tracking your food with that app understand set yourself a limit and just say see how my body responds to that over two or three weeks and that'll be the best thing you can do is just even by tracking there's studies came out in America two years ago that say that they gave people just told them to start tracking their food and as soon as they did that they didn't even change anything really like like consciously they didn't change anything but they lost weight and they got healthier. Um, so what I would say is forget about what's good, forget about what's bad, Coke, Coke Zero, McDonald's, salads, forget about all of that. Just start tracking your food with that free app, MyFitnessPal. And you can scan the barcodes. You don't even have to type it in and search. You can scan barcodes. You can type in your local cafe and because people, people can upload on it themselves as well. So yeah, track your food. That's the number one thing. Understand your metabolism, track your food. Don't think ice cream is bad for you. Just think three tubs of Häagen-Dazs is bad for me. Maybe I can get away with half a tub a day, you know, like that. And, and because that's where people binge because they don't understand, you know, that's my number one thing. Well, like on the back of that, you know, like 3 p.m. after lunch, you kind of you kind of have that food coma kind of thing. Would you have like any recommendations, for instance, of any types of food that could give you that, you know, that boost throughout the day? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. And that slump you're talking about is actually just going to jump a step forward towards breakfast um, uh, because it's totally in relation to that slump you're talking about. I'm not saying there isn't any foods during the day that you can have. I'm just saying that slump you feel is generally because people are under this illusion that porridge is great for you, oats are good for you in the morning and things like that. When realistically, they, they spike your insulin levels and it's a response to sugar. Even some protein does sometimes can have quite big insulin insulin spike and as soon as that insulin spikes it drops and it gives you that whether it's porridge or whether it's captain crunch whatever it might be your insulin will still respond to that the same way and that's generally what leads to that slump so if you can control that slump and try and keep your carbohydrates whether it's from mars bars or whether it's from porridge oats it makes no difference just try and keep 
um, a nice steady breakfast like myself what I would have or what I would recommend to people is like um, more of a, kind of the leaner the better like if if you know like eggs and bacon is a simple thing you know um, if you're vegan or vegetarian try and keep something that's not too carb carby based that'll give you that spike as well in the morning um because whether it's got fiber or not it's got all that sugar in it and and all those carbs that's what's actually going to cause that afternoon slump so if you can keep that steady throughout the morning when you get to the afternoon then like for a typical lunch snack what i always say is save your carbs for nighttime because it's overall daily consumption that matters so if you're going to get something um relatively good for yourself at lunchtime or for a snack i would recommend something like like a protein bar i know it sounds silly and simple but protein bars these days taste phenomenal they're like you know they taste better sometimes i'll choose a protein bar over snickers bar not because it's better for me just because my god they see a saw market there and they're really investing in it but if you what i do in the middle of the day is i would have some type of caffeine hit definitely now i'm not talking like a caramel macchiato triple espresso orange mocha frappuccino with a million calories i just have like a double espresso that'll give you that pick me up you need without any added calories and then if you're going to have something keep those insulin levels steady because that in itself will give you that natural stimulation that'll pick your energy up um, without that slump and then keeps keep it leaner earlier on if you're if you're the type of person i think around 70 percent of people are the people that tend to snack at night time or after work so not that you can't do that just if you can keep it as balanced as possible through lunchtime so keep it um high in protein or relatively balanced with fat and protein and try not to over carb it have carbs but save them for when you need them when you're sitting down at home when you're like oh god i'd love that packet of crisps or something like that you can still have that as long as you don't overdo it and that brings me back to my first point but the most important thing when you're snacking and you want that pick me up in the afternoon or say the lunch break just not to overdo it because if you overdo it carbohydrates like for example i could eat a bag of jellies in 30 seconds and that could be you know 450 calories because they just melt in your mouth they digest same with chocolate um and I'm not saying skip the jellies, don't skip the chocolate. I'm just saying have something small that will kill that craving for you. Have something that will pick you up, maybe like a double espresso when you need it most. And then have make sure you're having something that is protein-based as well because it tends to get neglected and your body does need, and, and obviously something whole food. So something that has your vitamins, your minerals in it. Like if I'm being, if I, if I want to be super strict and super, oh, I'm a health guy, you can be like have a spinach salad with, you know, some added kale, pine nuts, cashews, and chicken. Like that's a typical thing people will say here. I'm a very realistic health-based person. I'm not going to give you information if you're not going to be able to adhere to it. So that's the most important thing for me is if you can grab something that's protein-based, whether it's a chicken salad or a protein bar, and you can grab something that kills your cravings and then something that will pick you up like a double espresso or some type of calf coffee. Um, You know, again, milk isn't necessarily bad for everyone um, as long as it's controlled and you're not overdoing it by adding loads of extra calories in there. Um, then that would be the perfect type of lunch. Like for me, I'll grab like an omelet. An omelet would be perfect for me. An omelet with some chicken, some cheese. Cheese isn't the devil. Um, 
cheese is actually quite high in protein as well and it's low in carbohydrates so i would have like an omelet at lunchtime i'd have something chocolatey to kill that craving a protein bars bar is perfect for me and then by the time i get home and i have a caffeine hit a good caffeine hit and then by the time i get home in the evening i'll leave the caffeine out so my sleep isn't affected and then in the evening I'll, if I want to have something more carb dense, say maybe a bit of pasta, rice, um, I can satisfy that craving without it pushing me over the top because I was more mindful during the day to keep it low. So it's about balancing your currency as opposed to splurging. Um, so And then it's guilt-free and you still lose weight and it's great and you're feeling better about your body. You've had your pick-me-up in the evening. Um, so I would say keep it as moderate as possible throughout, throughout lunchtime. And if you're looking for that hit, like to pick you up, I wouldn't so much look for it from food. Just keep your food as balanced as possible. Get some whole foods in there. Um, but most importantly, that pick-me-up is going to come from a stimulation and caffeine is great at doing that. So um, <laughs> get, get the caffeine in it. Just don't go adding melted chocolate into it. That's <laughs> the most important thing. So Aaron, I just wanted to touch off a point there that you mentioned about the carbs and kind of keep you, keeping your carbs later on to the day. Um, I know there's probably a load of people out there listening and dying to know this too. What is your stance on brown and white bread, pastas and rice? Like, because you're saying about it's re-education of your food, everything in moderation, it's good. It's not so much that that's good, that's bad. So is bread bread to you? Is pasta pasta to you? Like, is it all the same or... 100% like well the, the thing is obviously they've got different they've got certain different things with them but the main thing would be like brown bread might have a slightly higher amount of fiber in it or something like that like in terms of am I going to lose more weight by eating brown bread definitely not in actual some 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 cases some brown breads have more calories now if, if you're having like say a Cambridge's slice of bread it's smaller might have less calories than a slice of like typical white bread but in terms of is one healthier than the other is any unhealthy few at all no like you know this this myth of like there is there is people that suffer like people that are celiacs you know um and but when it comes to is brown bread or white bread they're pretty much when it comes to losing weight and being healthier because you've got less weight on you, they're pretty much identical. And I don't recommend cutting out bread or pasta um, unless you've got some type of celiac disease. And now gluten intolerance, let me tell you something about gluten intolerance too. It's totally like a fad. It's like people jumping on this bandwagon. Gluten, what it does is it's a protein actually. And gluten can damage your intestinal tract. And some people are more sensitive than others. But your intestinal tract will repair itself every three to five hours. So as long as you're not downing like gluten with every meal you know like you're not having say three slices or four slices of bread in the morning then you're going straight to work you're having another sandwich and then you're having mid brunch and you're having a pasta salad and then you're going home when you're having spaghetti bolognese like if you're hammering your intestinal tract with gluten then yes it's a bit of an issue but if you're having it like bread once or twice a day as long as you don't go over your calories you're going to lose just as much weight people can gain if if i put someone on a diet say someone has a nutritional uh, a metabolic rate where they can afford to have 1,800 calories a day. If I give somebody 1,700 calories of white bread, and if I give the other person 1,900 calories of sweet potato, the person that's eating 1,900 calories of sweet potato are going to get fatter, they're going to get unhealthier, going to have higher risk of heart disease. It doesn't matter that they're eating sweet potato. They're going to die before the person eating bread does because they're getting more, they're getting less healthy because they're getting fatter. So the main point is calorie expenditure. It doesn't matter if it's white bread or it's brown bread. If you enjoy the brown one more, go for it. 
just don't go for it too much because if you overdo it you'll go into a caloric surplus you're going to put on more weight you're going to get overweight and you're going to inevitably be like be more inclined to get heart disease to get high cholesterol because you're becoming more overweight so i'm happy i can smash that myth right here if you want to look into it online there's loads of try not to look at anything you know every study you listen to out there ask why ask how check if there's other contradicting studies out there too you know like i'm very open-minded if something comes over tomorrow and proves that the most recent studies on caloric expenditure versus a white bread or brown bread is is totally total BS, then I'll listen to it and I'll be open-minded to it. So stay open-minded. Like people will push these things on, like the food pyramid, for example, what does it have at the very bottom? White bread and brown bread. Now, the thing is like, as I'm saying, there's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good for you. I'm just saying that, um, the reason that is, is because the food pyramid was designed by people who owned essentially stocks in bread. So of course they're going to put eight servings of bread at the bottom. You know, there's don't, take everything at face value, look into things. Um, if I could say anything, again, track your food, white bread or brown bread, I eat them both every day. Um, and if, but if I over the problem with both as well and pasta is that they're very calorically dense. So it's very easy to over consume these things. That's why if you're having some bread, make sure you're getting enough vegetables in your diet too. So you feel fuller. So you don't feel like splurging on bread. You know, that's the issue. It's the overconsumption. It's not one being worse than the other. Um, so definitely I would say don't, if you enjoy, if you're at the, if you're at the, the pasta shelf and there's white pasta and brown pasta and you think you're going to be healthier by getting the brown pasta, but you really don't like it, I would say get the white pasta or don't even bother getting any because you're only putting yourself through unnecessary torture. That's actually a great note for myself because every time I go to the deli to get a chicken roll or something like that, it's always I'll go for the brown because you've got that whole, I suppose, thought process of brown is better but at the end of the day they're basically just full of sugar anyway <laughs> both of them yeah they're, they're all carbs and the thing is like the issue is you could get you could easily fit in uh, a bread roll a chicken roll every day into your diet but you got to understand that if i have a chicken roll that's going to be about 600 calories there's there's protein in there some protein in chicken but because i've had that now it just means i can't have my bowl of pasta at night time because i've had loads of carbohydrates here so it's like trying to balance your life balance your your currency i suppose it's more like money than anything else if you overspend you're going to see the negative implications of that so if you have a chicken roll for lunch and then you have a bowl of lasagna when you get home you're overspending on your calories and your carbohydrates whereas if you have your chicken roll because that's when you most crave it at lunchtime and then you go okay i had my chicken roll there so when i go home i'm actually going to have maybe a chicken and bacon salad or or a burger you know with one of those slimster one of those low calorie slimster buns i'm going to have chicken and bacon in it or i'm going to have lean beef um, with an egg and I'm going to that's going to be high in protein low in carbohydrates but you can't say I'm going to go home and have another 400 grams of pasta because you had you know you have to look at it in a way that makes sense don't look at brown or brown being better because it's not necessarily um, it's just people go wrong because of over consuming and it's so easy to do that in today's western society you know it's so easy to eat 
it's when people post those ads of like, you know, actually chicken nuggets and McDonald's are better than the chicken salad because the chicken salad is 700 calories and chicken, six chicken nuggets only has 200 calories. It's got more protein. And it's true. You know, like if I eat, I could eat four portions of chicken nuggets a day and not put on any weight. But if I'm eating all the crap that they've, the calorie, high calorie stuff they put in the salad, I'm going to put on weight. But people are like, but that's a salad. It's good for me. <laughs> chicken nuggets are bad for me. Yeah, right. And that's why I'm talking about these, these negative and positive relationships. And if people educated people in schools about this at a young age, that it's not so much about this food is bad, this food is good. It's just some whole, you know, it's just about finding balance. And, and if you can do that when you're on your lunch break or you're going out, just make a decision for your whole day. If you work on it on a day-to-day basis, it'll be a lot easier for you. And don't feel guilty and feel like, oh, no, I've gone offside. I'm just going to start eating everything. You know, if you can actually say, okay, look, I've had the chicken roll now. When I go home later, I'm going to be a bit more mindful. I'm just going to try and keep it a bit leaner as opposed to throwing everything out the window because I ah, flip it. I've had that chicken roll earlier on. Um, that's the best bit of advice when it comes to, well, for you, but a lot of people will relate to that as well, definitely. Yeah, and that's where your your diet tracking comes in because once you're tracking it, you're more educated, you're more aware of food coming in, basically. Yeah, you're, you're empowering yourself. You got to empower yourself with knowledge. Um, don't let Weight Watchers or Slimming World take that empowerment away from you, you know? Um, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So Aaron, we've talked about kind of like, the, I suppose, the main stressors on your body and work and kind of like stretches and stuff like that to combat it. And we've done a lot around the food, which to me was actually very good because I just got to start tracking now. That's like, it's not a case of white or brown bread or anything like that. It's just tracking. Um, so that's, I suppose, your day daily in the salon all taken care of. Is there anything you can do after the salon then to kind of like, I suppose, maintain that healthiness outside prep yourself for the next day but also kind of like burnout is a big thing in busy environments busy industries is there anything any way we can be proactive around burnout so how to know when it's kind of approaching and what to do beforehand yeah um so basically overexerting yourself um through the stresses and how to deal with that when you actually have your own time and not letting it spill over to a certain extent yeah yeah, well, what I would what I would say is find something that you love and don't give up on it because the work life balance is it, it can become very blurred the line between both. Um, for example, my wife and I, as you can tell me not being at the summit, uh, we like to travel. <laughs> so um, we at the moment like. I just opened, we have this thing where we go to Hard Rock Cafe everywhere we go and I opened my cupboard the other day and there's um, at least 26 glasses in there. We haven't been, we haven't been away, you know, like we love to travel, we love to watch TV. It doesn't matter what your thing is, but don't give up on it because because of your work. Um, a lot of people look at, you know, meditation is great. Like my dad practiced yoga for or now for like maybe 35, 40 years and it, it it's kind of like everyone's meditation is different. Like meditation isn't just shutting down in your bedroom, closing your eyes and trying to repeat the same sound over and over again. Meditation, in my view anyway, is more about separating yourself from the negative things in your life or the things that are overcrowding your head, you know? So whether that is traveling, booking yourself a holiday, going for a spa day, you know, um, it can be. 
it can be lots of these things. Um, it's but it's mainly giving yourself something back because people don't do it. People just simply don't do it enough. If you think about like a, a scales, a balance, a balancing scales. If you look at that and look at all the things that all the time and and effort and money you're pumping into things that aren't necessarily giving back to yourself. Like the human, the, the basic human isn't really designed to be working even eight hours a day. And we work. You know, you should uh, in an ideal world everyone should work maybe four to six hours a day and be able to live a nice balanced lifestyle and still do the things they love with the people they love. Uh, we're not designed for today's society. We haven't evolved fast enough for, we forced ourselves to. So if you can give yourself something back, for example, that holiday, um, find something you love, whether it's drawing, whether it's working out, whether it's doing a little bit of yoga at home, whether it's Netflix, a movie, whatever it is that makes you separate your head from the things that will take away you know uh, or add stress to you that's what you need to do and you have to force yourself not to neglect it i would recommend scheduling it like you would a work appointment and but value it give it that importance because it really is and know that the other things like the stress they can wait when you get back to those the fact that you gave yourself that time will make you more effective at dealing with those situations um because a lot of people as i said as i mentioned a little bit earlier on they they look at giving themselves something back as being selfish when actually it's probably one of the most unselfish things you can do because if you look after yourself or give yourself just that little bit of time every day to do whatever it is you enjoy then everything you output beyond that point will become more effective. You'll be able to help others more. You'll be able to deal with stressful circumstances. When someone comes to your spa and they're complaining that a booking was cancelled because um, their daughter booked it for them three weeks ago, they didn't know the expiry date on the voucher was this or that, you know, you can take a deep breath and you can actually deal with that person in a way where you can empathize with them and then they'll leave feeling good and that you've helped them out and they'll tell their friends about what a great experience you had. But if you're in work and you haven't done something for yourself for four or five weeks and you're overloading yourself and they're giving you that uh, energy you don't have anything in you but that uh, back uh, you can handle situations like that better as i said back to that ripple effect that um by giving yourself something back it really does affect everything you're outputting in a better manner so add value to giving yourself or doing something that you love don't think of it as something that can wait for later think about it as something that's extremely important so everything else works better and if you can do that and see the value in it and see the value in giving you some you time and look after yourself first and foremost everything else will everything else will get better and everything else will become more efficient um, that's one thing people have to remember is that you are the most important person in your life of course you love other people and of course you want to do the best thing you can for other people but unless you love yourself and you do something for you and realize you are an important person you are worth value then the other things will fall like a domino effect um you won't be able to take care of them properly so yeah place value in you and do something that you like um when you get the chance yeah i like that like especially when it's so busy you could get caught up in being flat out the whole time you, you do forget to take care of yourself and at the end of the day if you're not going to keep taking care of your car how long is the car going to last yeah yeah that's that's just why you don't drive <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you probably run everywhere. <laughs> See, uh, no, yeah, that's, uh, I just do car wheels to, um, across <laughs> town. No, I, I don't drive because when I'm sitting in a car, I'm, I have one of my more less attractive tendencies is um, impatience. So um, I, I'm the type of person when I'm sitting in traffic or when I used to drive, I'd rather drive a, a route that's 20 minutes longer as long as I didn't have to sit there and stare at the boot in front of me. As long um, as it's free flowing, yeah. Yeah, um, so I, yeah, I just... 
as I said, yeah, back to the car thing. You know, you got to look after your vehicle. If you're not, if you're not, you're inevitably looking to crash at some stage. Well, Aaron, that's been absolutely brilliant. I was going to get you to end the show with some kind of like next step advice or tips, but you've you've just covered so much in that episode that uh, I don't know how you could top it off anymore. <laughs> but um, it was great to have the clarity around that, especially kind of like the stretches you can do during the day, the food, how it's not because there's always that fear of the food is like uh you have to know so much about everything you're eating but you very you, you really just kind of simplified it there just like can track your calories use a, a food tracker your stretches and especially me time the me time find value in yourself and provide value in yourself yeah it's hugely important hugely important and neglected hugely neglected it's more it's almost more neglected than it is important unfortunately but it is hugely important so, Aaron, if someone does kind of like want to get in contact with you or anything like that, uh, what's the best way to, way to approach you? You can find me on pretty much any social media platform. If you just type in Aaron Carroll Health, I'll pop up there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Everything I discussed there is, is online and I'm always more than ha- happy to answer any questions for, for anyone that's looking for help. Um, the most important thing is, I suppose, on signing off is to look after yourself. Give yourself something back and good things good things will come. Good things will come. I like that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thanks so much. No problem at all, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So that was Aaron Carroll of Aaron Carroll Health. And we have some links to his YouTubes, to his Instagram. So you can check all that out in the blurb. And we'll also have a link to the MyFitnessPal as well that, he's, that uh, Aaron was talking about. Yeah, it's the kind of episode that you listen to once, you get loads of insightful tips, and then you listen to it a second time with a sheet of paper, and you just take down every single little thing that you missed on the first listen. So that's it for us today. If you have any feedback or any questions, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're always looking for suggestions on how to improve the show. Otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful second week on 30 Days to Grow, and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. All the best.